It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to the postgame Buckeye Talk. Ohio State beats Maryland. What does it mean? Doug Maurice, Nathan Baird, Stephen Means. Nathan, answer this question in the context of having watched Ohio State today. We don't know how everybody else looked, but in evaluating Ohio State and not resume how they looked playing football. Was that possibly the third best team in the country in Ohio stadium on Saturday? Yes. When you factor in how dynamic this offense is now with a a rising baseline for the defense, uh, I think Steven said it best uh, when we were talking after the game, it was kind of revisiting a, a theme that we'd had early on in the season, but that you can start to see the margin for error widen for this offense, which I think opens things up for this offense. It takes pressure off CJ Stroud and, and makes this offense even more dangerous because of how well this defense is playing. So we can get into some resume stuff in a little bit, but Steven, I think we have been looking for someone to lead the pack to chase Georgia and Alabama, because I think most of the country believes Those are the two best teams. They're both going to get in the playoff. Only one can win the SEC, but they both look like they deserve to be there in the end. Do you, do you think it's quite possible that the Buckeyes are, will be, will be either are now or on their way to leading this chase pack? Yeah, because I think they're the only other team who has a element to its team. That's national championship caliber right now. Uh, everybody else has things that might get there, but Ohio State's offense is national championship caliber right now. Georgia's defense is obviously that, and then Bama's Bama. So outs, those are the only three teams you can say that confidently about right now, regardless of how the resumes look. They have something you can point to and go, that's exactly why they're going to win a national title. So we're recording this a little bit later than expected after the game. Penn State, Iowa's winding down. Iowa just threw a touchdown pass to take the lead in the final seven minutes. This was a big day, I think, for the Big Ten. This Iowa-Penn State game was a big deal, Nathan. And I think you guys have been keeping an eye on it, but we don't have to have watched every snap. We see the score. It's not not the Oklahoma-Texas game. It's not in the 50s. I do think when you think about – because they have to get through the Big Ten first. They have to win the Big Ten. But when we talk about – Across the board, dynamic offenses, Nathan. You can see things that Penn State does well. You can see things that Michigan does well. But we still are at a point where Ohio State's a cut above, right, in terms of the dynamic, explosive possibilities of the 11 guys they put on the field. It was a play today that sort of crystallized this for me a little bit. It was the play early on where Ohio State – runs Garrett Wilson across in a jet sweep. So you're faking that like first potentially explosive play, which he's obviously turned into explosive plays in the past. And then they fake a handoff to Trevor Henderson, who came into the game leading the nation and runs of 40 yards or more. So you've already got two explosive plays. I don't know how, like as a defender there, I don't know which of those two things you don't bite on. And then they end up just throwing a bomb over the top to Chris Olave for a touchdown. It's like, it's all three things just wrapped into one. And there are just aren't 
and there's no other team in the Big Ten that can do that. There's no other team in the in the Big Ten that can show you three massive like big play looks on a single snap and tell and just kind of force you um, to guess which one it's not, which two it's not going to be at any given time. That, that, that's just so they're always going to be able. They should always be able to put up points. Um, and I, it, the more I watch, because when you start to then watch the Penn States, the Iowa's, those sorts of teams, then their offenses become a factor in how many points Ohio State's offense will score. Right. And, and you can see almost everybody else in the big 10 has something they do really well on offense, but something that they clearly don't do as well. Nobody is as balanced. And Travion Henderson has added that part that the, the running game is as dangerous as the passing game. And Chris Olave, Stephen was one of the guys that we got to talk to after the game. We talked to Ryan day, talked to CJ Stroud, talked to what was it? Corey Simon and Steel chambers defensively talked to Marcus Williamson and offensively. We talked to Chris Olave and who else? Who was the other guy we talked to? CJ Maybe Stroud. it wasn't an offensive guy. There were three guys. Oh, uh, Emeka Emeka Buka. Buka. Yeah, yeah. Mecca. Oh yeah. That, that, that five-star. Oh yeah. That, that, that special teams maven that he is. Um, <laughs> but Chris Olave was sort of asked about how he gets so open, which is a great question because man, he is open, wide open yeah. a lot, but he was talking about Ryan day as a play caller. And I feel like Ryan day, Steven is sort of rounding, not rounding into form, but like Ryan day, I think has a good handle on what this offense is halfway through the season that he knew what he had in the, the top four pass catchers. But now with the way CJ Stroud is playing, the way that Trevon Henderson has come on, I do think Ryan day gives Ohio state an edge, like gives them a play call as much as Joe Moorhead called a great game for Oregon. Like that's what, that's what Ryan day does, man. Like Ryan day calls a great game. And I feel like we see him now six games in he's knows what he's got and he's figured out how to use them all in balance. It's always interesting watching him get into a groove as a play caller in certain games, especially when he has it cooking, whether it's the two Clemson games, the 2018 Michigan game. Um, there was some uh, the Nebraska game to start off last year. And I think today was really the first time this season where he was able to just like really let his hair down a little bit. And I think this is just the best roster he's had the opportunity to do that with from the get go because of what Nathan mentioned. There's a lot you got to think about. In 2018, the running game wasn't always there, so it was just a passing game. In 2019, Justin's young, and the defense is so elite that it's just, here, J.K., go do something with it. And then last year, it's really just a passing game until Trey, Trey Sermon comes alive later in the season. This year, the way Travion Henderson's run the ball – I mean, you got the two best receivers in the country, and all of a sudden, Jackson Smith, the Jigba, is making a case for being a top 15 receiver in the country on his own right. CJ's obviously getting more comfortable. Every The offensive line is one of the best offensive lines in the country. The weapons that are at his disposal, I think for the first time at this point in the season, you're seeing Ryan Day really let his hair down and, and show it lick his chops a little bit as a play caller and you're seeing weeks build on each other. Nathan brought up the jet sweep handoff. What about the jet sweep pop passes where they keep bringing Jackson Smith, the DJ in notion before they hand it off or they play action rollout. You know, what about plays where somebody's open downfield, but CJ's just more comfortable checking it down right now. This it's, it's going to be interesting by the time we get to, you know, the Penn state game and the Michigan game and the big 10 championship game, this type of time around when we've seen all this stuff get put on tape, what is Ryan day able to do then that he's maybe not showing us right now. It's interesting just to watch other teams who don't have as many options on offense. And like Penn state just got stopped on fourth and three against Iowa. And like every yard looked hard on that drive for Penn state, nothing, just exploded. They've got to work for it. And Ohio state is just always on the edge of explosiveness. But I did think Nathan, that some of the stuff early on was Maryland trying to stop the run. Nathan, like, is that like, did they come out and decide like, well, we don't want Trevion Henderson just go crazy. I haven't gone back and like, listened to Mike Loxley's comments yet, but it sure seemed like they were selling out to stop the mm-hmm. run. And, and maybe, I don't know, you've got to, as I said to somebody on Twitter, like you've got to pick your poison, but at the end of the day, you're still just drinking poison. And, and maybe their thought process was, 
<laughs> maybe their thought process is like, well, we're going to make make CJ Stroud make decisions like, you know, stuff the run and then make CJ Stroud make decisions. I suppose there's a strategy there. The problem is when you're already then down two starting cornerbacks like they yeah. were. I man, like I don't know what what chance that really had, but I also don't know what chance it really had if they were going to start giving up gash plays to Trevion Henderson, because then you're, you're you end up having forcing yourself to make that correction and get get beat on the back end anyway. So that Maryland's just not equipped athletically on the defensive side of the ball right now to match up with Ohio State, and most teams aren't. Maryland didn't really even make CJ think that's part of the problem. Yes. You loaded the box, but also there were, I don't know if CJ really had to think very much, which is when Ohio state can get into these more routine throws just to get them a rhythm. Those outlook, you, you, you loved it with Justin Fields and those out routes in 2019, yep. how routine he made them look. CJ does that a lot. Now I don't, it's not a, obviously the ball is not as pretty right now, but the point is he gets it there consistently or they'll have the comeback routes or they'll have the curl routes where it's just a stop route, or they'll just throw something over the middle. They Maryland let CJ get into a rhythm and you didn't do anything to switch that up. You just decided we're just going to keep Travion Henderson from being Travion Henderson. And it didn't work out in your favor because he still ended up with a hundred yards. I want to say real quick, I think it's important to remember as you're as we're analyzing this, that if if we, I don't I don't want to pick on these guys. But if, if we said, um, how would Lathan Ransom and Ryan Watts do defending C.J. Stroud for a whole game? I think Maryland's probably putting out guys worse than that to try to yeah. play corner today. Yeah, so just fair. keep that in mind as we're analyzing what C.J. Stroud did today, which which is why it's, it'll be great. Like, it'll be awesome. It'll be aw- fun to watch CJ Stroud against the Penn state defense. And if it's uh, Iowa mm-hmm. in the big 10 title game, like that's going to be great. I think Indiana's even got some guys Indiana's yeah, got no. some good defensive players. Yeah. Indi- yeah. Yeah. No, Indiana. That was, I mean, again, when we were doing our preseason, like best players in the big 10 list, Micah McFadden and Taiwan Mullen, and they, they have a bunch of dudes there. So, and Tom, Tom Allen can dial it up. And like we, you know, I think people are a little out on Indiana because Michael Penix is hurt and that offense hasn't looked like what people thought it might look like, but defensively they, a lot of what they do is still in place. So um, off after the off week, that will be certainly, that'll be, I mean, what you're saying, Nathan, is that's probably, I mean, especially Oregon without Kayvon Thibodeau might be the best defense. Like, is it, do you think Indiana, Indiana's defense is better than Oregon's defense minus Kayvon Thibodeau, the one that we saw in week two. And they had some, listen, Noah Sewell played great in that game. Noah Sewell played great yeah, in that game. I, so. Yeah, um, that's a good question, and I want to say I haven't kept up 100%. I know Indiana's also missed some guys, so I don't know exactly who's healthy for them. But I think it's approaching approaching it. I think what it's it's the perfect test for a quarterback who's getting into a rhythm because that's what they – last year they just like threw Justin for a loop in that second half, and CJ's younger. And so if they're going to dial up a bunch of random stuff and some blitzes from all over the place for CJ who's coming off these last two games and now he's going into a bye week, it's kind of like the perfect little, you know, bomb to throw in there to see if this is real or not. And certainly the best since Oregon. Certainly yeah. more of a yes. test for CJ than – No question. Tulsa, and then he didn't play against mm-hmm. Akron and or Rutgers or Maryland. So – um but I am not I'm not adding caveats to my evaluation of CJ Stroud at the moment. Other mm-hmm. other than that, of course we know that he's gonna face better defenses. But I thought today adding it to what he did against Rutgers, like I thought he just I thought he worked it out when it wasn't there right away. I thought he took what was given to him. I thought he took stuff in the middle of the field. Uh, he certainly did hit some stuff down the field then. I thought they were patient offensively. Nathan, I was almost a little surprised when I asked Ryan Day about the 17-play drive that they opened the game with after Maryland uh, started the game with the field goal, and Ryan Day said it was kind of clunky. I was asking it more like, oh, no, that's what that was CJ being patient and poised or whatever, and then he was like, ah, it was clunky. He kind of, it seemed like Ryan Day was kind of like, I like it better when we score in five plays, not 17. But did you think CJ was like poised and mature and took what was available to him and, and looked like a big time winning quarterback? 
I think where it was clunkiest was what we just said. Maryland was really clogging up the run. I mean, Trevian Henderson wasn't getting any traction on that first drive. I think he ended up being having like 17 yards on nine carries at halftime. So really that whole first half, that was an extension of that. Um, and it was getting them off schedule and they had to, they had to convert more third downs and he was probably comfortable with having to do, but that obviously um, solved itself over time. Mike Loxley, I think had, had a great quote that I've seen going around tweet Twitter of like, it looked like guys were dropping out of airplanes. They were so open. So yeah. eventually they didn't have to worry about it that much. Um, but I thought something you mentioned, I thought was another sign of a, a, a nice progression for CJ Stroud, which was how much he used the middle of the field, how comfortable he seemed throwing over the middle of the field. That can be a fine line for a quarterback, the confidence that you have to take those shots and, the degree of difficulty that is there, or maybe the, the greater degree of, of um, peril if you if you misfire. But he seems like uber confident right now with how his arm feels and where he can put a ball and how he's seeing things. And then the important part on the the other important part on the end of it, which is when CJ Stroud will like reach through a defender who's committing pass interference and catch the ball anyway. He's got there's a there's sort of a convergence of three important things that are happening. And when now that they can open up the middle of the field that way and attack in those in all those quadrants I, I think that's gonna again it's just another thing that that raises the raises this offense's any questions that we had in the first couple of weeks about whether this offense m- might be, not be as good as we had suspected I think those are dissipating now so I you know people have have thought post-game pods especially that I have not given CJ Stroud enough credit or I've been too hard on him. Like I just thought I wasn't at the game live last week, but I thought like, that was it, man. Like I just, he just looked like a guy that you want in control of your offense. And then when he came in afterward, he seemed really confident. I thought, right. I thought he, and Steven, like, it's like, of course, you know, of course he's going to get better and more confident as the season goes on. But like it's like he's a different to compare him to what to the Oregon game. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to believe that was only 28 days ago because and I don't know. I mean, obviously, getting the shoulder to feel good was a big part of that. But man, like I just thought I just thought that was it. That's that's the deal. I don't have any questions. Yes, he'll get tested more, but I'm in, man. I'm in on CJ Stroud. Yeah, that, this C.J. Stroud would have won beaten Oregon, I think, at, because, and it's it's nothing changed from his skill set standpoint. I think what changed is, and he kept saying it, comfortable. I'm comfortable, and the coaching staff trusted me more and more every single day, and they trusted his offense more and every day. He just he didn't look comfortable, and I mean, he said it after the Minnesota game. He was just a little, he was he needed to settle down after that first half. He doesn't come in the first half feeling like he needs to settle down anymore. He's in complete control of what's going on out there. Yes, some of maybe the mechanics of it and some of the high throws he's not throwing anymore are a result of his shoulder being healthy. But his decision making, him ripping throws across the middle, uh, the throw, the touchdown throw to Chris Olave that came along with the pass interference, that's comfortability and confidence more than it is because your shoulder is healthy. And he keeps admitting to that. That was my favorite throw of the day. Anytime he it's one on one, it's my guy against your guy and I'm throwing it because I guarantee you my guy is going to catch it. That's my favorite throws of the day for CJ, because when he does that, those are the throws that win national championship games. He had a couple against Rutgers. He built on that today. And that's like the one place of his game that needs to continue to grow at this point because he's proven everything else over the last two weeks. Now it'll just be against tougher competition going forward. And I do think the idea of, hey, a team tried to and, and it's crazy to think about when this team has Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, and Jackson Smith, the Jigba. But then a defense came out and said, hey, we're going to stop the run, and we're going to make you throw. And it was like, nope, not that's not going to work. <laughs> that, that I mean, it didn't work, at like, even a little bit. And I respect Maryland for trying it. But, like, that's been answered. And so as soon – and now go ahead and, like, drop eight in coverage and give C.J. Stroud time and don't put a bunch of guys in the box – and Travion Henderson is going to go back to getting seven and eight yards carries. It was the polar opposite of the Tulsa game, where it's, we're not going to let these wide receivers do anything. Okay, here you go, Travion. So now, now what? Now what happens? Obviously, 
more talented teams will be able to use those same approaches and do it more effectively. But yes, those two games, two teams who use very extreme approaches and it both times Ohio State made a pay. All right, we'll take a quick break. We got some survey answers, right, Nathan? Got some from the texters. We uh, we asked some posts. We don't always do that in the postgame pod, but Nathan decided to dig in. It was a good idea. We'll get to some of those questions and answers next on Buckeye Talk. Doug Maurice, Nathan Baird, Stephen Means. As we're finishing this podcast, Iowa is basically in victory formation, getting ready to close this thing out, which just means like get ready. Not that we didn't think it anyway, but Iowa's going to be in the Big Ten championship game, and then we got to figure out whether it's going to be Ohio State, Penn State, or Michigan on the other side here. That's going to be a great second half of the season. That that this is five and one Ohio State heading into this off week, and you got six regular season games left, and that includes. Penn State, Michigan, Michigan State, and Indiana is kind of interesting too. It's like, man, it's going to be fun. Um, Nathan, why don't you take the reins here for a little bit? You're the one who uh, came up with the idea and came up with the questions. So take us through what the texters are feeling about this team after this big win against the Terrapins. So so I basically had two questions. Uh, They were kind of on my mind, and I wanted to throw them out to the texters and see how they're seeing this. Like we get, we're, we're six games in, you got a bye week and then six more games after that. So we're really at a mid midpoint of the season. How, what did, and, and more to the point, it, there's been this progression since Oregon. So how are they thinking about that? So I asked two questions. One was what has been the most important development since the Oregon loss? And there were five choices, CJ Stroud's health and how much more comfortable and confident he's looked over the past two games. Trevian Henderson's emergence as one of the nation's best running backs, a better pass rush from the defense and a more aggressive approach, playmakers in the secondary and more personnel certainty in the back seven, or the defensive coaching staff shakeup. What do you guys think out of those five can, choices? Can I just say, can I just say, those are five gigantic choices. Yeah. Yeah. This is a completely different team. They had a good offensive line and good receivers and everything and else, <laughs> everything else is it. different and better. It's unbelievable. It's like, Oh, how'd they, uh, how'd they lose to Oregon? It's like, well, you know, they needed to get better at quarterback, running back, defensive line, secondary and defensive play calling. It's like, Oh yeah. No wonder they lost to Oregon and they've gotten better at all of them. What's the is the question? What would we vote for? Or what do we think the texters voted for, Nathan? What should we answer first? Um, let's. What do you guys think the texters voted for? I think the texters voted for the defensive play calling shift. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that kind of covers all the other defensive issues. And I way. feel like people after the Oregon game were sort of so out on Kerry Combs as the defensive play mm-hmm. caller that they would think making that change is a gigantic deal. And it's, I think Travion was going to do this. I mean, I think everybody expected that. And unless you were completely out on CJ Stroud, which was not as many people as, you know, sometimes social media can suggest you just thought that whoever it would eventually work itself out. And I would also nope. say that I think, People were so scarred by 2018. It's like, well, the offense can be great, but if the defense stinks, it's yeah. going to kill them. So, okay, we'll put a pin in that. What would you guys pick? I'd pick the coaching change because that was a lot changed when they made that decision. And that's a pretty bold move in a world where, I mean, we just watched Lincoln Riley bench starting quarterback. This is a bigger move, changing your defensive coordinator two games into the three games into the season for another guy who's also never been a defensive coordinator, even if he's called plays before. So I actually, I'm might vote for the personnel on defense because I thought they played guys the first two weeks that like, as it turned out, weren't good enough. And they've kind of sorted that out. And I think at corner and the thing is that they lost Josh Proctor, but also I think that includes like JT Tui Maluau, like getting a bigger role on the defensive line. I think that's a big deal. I think figuring out Denzel Burke, Cam Brown, seven banks at corner is a big deal. I think kind of getting linebacker sorted out is a big deal. 
And I do think there were some personnel breakdowns. They still miss Josh Proctor, but I thought, I think getting like Cam Martinez on the field was kind of a big deal, even though Cam Martinez, I didn't play very much today. So I might lean toward, cause I think if you would have kept Kerry Combs and just, and been like, Kerry, man, we got to play more too high. I'm like, okay, we'll play more too high. And then you figured out the personnel shift. I still think you might've been okay. So I might say the defensive personnel. If I could push back on that before you answer that, you give us the actual results. I, I agree that that's part of it, but they were going to play a lot of guys to start the season regardless because you had to, if you didn't come out of fall camp being confident who your best 14 guys were, they were going to have to do that. The only problem is instead of being able to do it against Tulsa and Akron and as your first games, you had to play at on the road at Minnesota and, and against a top 15 team in the country at the time. And so you weren't able to work out those problems. I think if the schedule had been flipped a little bit and they were playing Oregon this week, we still would have been at a point where the guys who are playing in week five still would have been playing in week five right now. You know, JT, Denzel, Cam Martinez, the linebacker situation, they had to figure that stuff out. It's just the schedule didn't allow them to do it smoothly. But the point is, what's the biggest difference since Oregon, right? Yeah. Like, what's the biggest change? Whatever, whether it was going to happen anyway or not, Mm -hmm. they have have better players on the field on defense than they did Mm -hmm. against Oregon. I think even if it was going to occur naturally. So I really think they just had some, they just had some wrong. I mean, and I guess it was the Minnesota game. I mean, there was a time they were taking like Ronnie Hickman off the field to put Dallas game on the field in certain looks, you know, like they, we were not quite in on like Ronnie Hickman doesn't leave the field in the first two weeks of the season. And now we're like Ronnie Hickman doesn't leave the field because he's too good. So I don't know. That's what I would vote for. Nathan, what would you vote for? I think I would have voted for the staff change simply because it's the one thing that was like an active decision that had those kind of ramifications, you know, I mean, there's some of it was like young guys playing better was probably going to happen on its own, but this was a, like a tangible decision that Ryan day made at a juncture and surprisingly to me, making one to the extent that he made it at that point, you know what I mean? Two games in to to do what he did when I thought he might go like a half step before going all the way there. So that's that's probably what I would have voted for. Um, our texters voted. So last place, but still getting 10 percent was better pass rush from the defense and a more aggressive approach. You can quibble whether the approach has actually been more aggressive, but there's definitely more pass rush here than there was early in the season whether that's coming from the interior. Now we're starting to see it more from the end. So that still finished last, but got 10% of the vote. So people recognizing that the next three answers all got between 16 and 18%. And then kind of the runaway winner, CJ Stroud's health and how much more comfortable and confident he has looked over the past two games. I got 38% of the vote. That doesn't surprise me. And, and it might be right. It might be right. But yeah, the more I considered it, because just think of how much doubt there was coming out of, especially not just the Oregon game, but the Tulsa game, because he wasn't healthy yet. We were just weren't seeing the best version of CJ Stroud. Uh, You could argue after the Tulsa game, we weren't really even seeing a good version of CJ Stroud. And I think there was real concern there from part of the fan base that like, well, if he's not the guy, but that's the guy they picked, which means comma cords, not ready. Then what what's going on here? Like, are they poised to have bigger problems this season than we were expecting. And for CJ Stroud to take that week off, get healthy, come back and just smoke it the last two weeks, I think has allayed a lot of concerns. I agree with that. But I also think if CJ Stroud was doing exactly what he's doing and Ohio state was like, let Maryland Maryland get to the edge untouched and let Maryland run 77 yards up the middle for a touchdown because the safety took a bad angle and you know, all the stuff that Oregon did, it'd be like, it would feel like 2018 and people have nightmares about 2018 and they only lost one game in 2018, you know, like they were a, a one loss big 10 champ in 2018 and didn't make the playoff. And people have nightmares about 2018 because the defense was so bad. So it really the the whole point is that they really had a long way to come and they've come a long way in basically every area. So, but they needed all of it. And, and I don't know if, 
What are we surprised that they got here in a month? I don't know that I'm surprised, but I certainly didn't think it was a guarantee that all those things would have gotten this much better in 28 days. I would have banked on quarterback play um, getting better. I don't know if I'd have thought he'd be this good, but I thought he would continue to get better as he got reps and got, you know, just played and because his offense is going to make him look good. I thought the defense, the way it played today is what it would look like against Indiana or maybe even the Penn State game, because of what that game is, all of a sudden it just clicks. And it's like, oh, well, Penn State's really good. This defense just looked awesome. I don't know where it came from, but apparently going into a bye week and then doing a little bit against Indiana was enough. That sounds right. That sounds right. So I asked a second question, and there's a bit of a faulty premise here. Um, I asked, what is your biggest remaining concern about Ohio State football for the second half of the season? The faulty premise being there may be people who don't have a concern. Maybe there are people who've been these past three, two, three games have proven enough that they think Ohio State is is back on you know where they're supposed to be. But the three options I gave were and I, I didn't give an option that was like nothing. I think it's fine. So it had to be one of these three things. If you're answering the question, uh, one was quarterback. CJ Stroud has been good, but is he good enough? The other one, uh, second one was defense. Beating up on Akron, Rutgers, and Maryland does not tell me the early season problems are fixed. The third one is coaching. We've seen Ohio State get out-schemed once this season, and it could easily happen again. So which of those three things do you guys think won the texter vote? Defense. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Overwhelmingly, the defense won. Uh, C.J. Stroud not potentially being good enough, only got 2%. The coaching got 9%, but 89% saying that as much as these last three wins have been impressive, they don't really tell you this, this defense hasn't been tested. And until they get on a field with another good offense, what can you, how much can you really believe it? So, which leads me to this question. What is the best offense that Ohio State will face on the way to a national championship, if it would somehow win a national championship. Uh, I mean, with hurt. I mean, there's the, this is the thing. Like, there's bits and pieces of it here. Like, Indiana's got um, some uh, at least one talented receiver, but which quarterback's going to be thrown to him? You know, David Bell might be as good as any receiver in the Big Ten, but. He's got to walk on throwing him and the rest of that offense is nothing special. You know, uh, Penn State is Sean Clifford. Hey, Sean Clifford didn't finish this game. How hurt is he? Mm-hmm. You know, Michigan, um, what, Who's what's starting? Exactly going, is that a one-dimensional offense when it, for all practical purposes? Like, I, I, this is shaping up to be potentially another one of those years where Ohio State just kind of, you know, muscles its way through the Big Ten, but they don't see anything near what they are going to see beyond that. And and the two best teams in the country are like defense first. Team. Defensive, yeah. Um, Nebraska is only interesting if Adrian Martinez is actually okay. playing good, okay. but he's not. But okay. not really. Yeah, okay. but even even that is like no. Um, who's starting for Michigan? That was. Hold on a second. That was like that was like prime <laughs> Doug Lay Maurice with like a <laughs> mouthful like, of cheeseburger. Like, no. Yeah. Come so like, on. yeah, it's like it's like no, not really. Um, yeah, who's starting for Michigan? Um, and then yeah, is Bryce but, Young just like Russell Wilson 2.0? Because it's even so it's like the team's in their way, right? So as you said, Iowa just beat Penn State. Penn State, even like their backup quarterback was terrible today, but Sean Clifford threw a pick on the first play of the game and threw another pick like two drives later. So like Sean, that was the whole, that's the whole thing. Jahan Dotson's great. Their running backs were okay, but it's a Sean Clifford good enough. Michigan has a great running game. If it's JJ McCarthy, but like Ronnie Bell's their best receiver and he's out for the year. So like that's mm-hmm. the thing is like, this is a perhaps not elite Ohio State defense, but I don't know if it's going to face an elite offense, not a Bama last year, not a Joe Burrow LSU, not Trevor Lawrence, Travis Etienne, right? Because Oklahoma is imploding and they won today, but I don't know. It's Caleb Williams and Kennedy Brooks and Marvin Mims. I guess they're good, but they're, they're not 
probably what you thought they would have been before the year, right? And so is Oklahoma going to get through undefeated with how messed up they are? I don't know. But, you know, I just, like Iowa is a defense first team. I mean, there's nothing about, so it's almost like a really good year. And I think it's very possible, like Ole Miss had a good offense, but couldn't get anything going really against Bama. But like if Bama plays Ohio State in the playoff, I think Ohio State will be will be the best offense that Bama has faced, right? And if Georgia played Ohio State, Ohio State would have the best offense that they have faced. And so those are great defenses, but it feels like it's a good year for Ohio State to have a great offense and a, maybe a good but not great defense. And that might be a good enough formula to give them a shot kind of against anybody both in the Big Ten and beyond, Nathan. Yeah, the thing that the thing I'm hesitant about is just that when you start talking, it's all relative, right? So as much as Georgia and Alabama look defense first, their version of defense first still has a bunch of athletes on the offensive side of the ball that Penn State and Iowa and Oklahoma right now even eh, – and Cincinnati can't boast like they can't it, it is a different it's a bit of a different universe so that's the thing that in the back of my mind I'm still suspicious about and I think and especially in the case of Georgia them having to like get the right guys healthy including their starting quarterback maybe and uh, that still seems like the team that just as a whole package might be an, the next level up but I would think if if Devontae Smith Jalen Waddell Najee Harris, Mac Jones were waiting out there or Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, Clyde Edwards, Alaire, Joe Burrow were waiting out there or Trevor Lawrence, Travis Etienne were waiting out there or Deshaun Watson was waiting out there. I think maybe everybody listening to this would be like, man, it's like, they're really rolling. Awesome. I, I feel like these guys might be the best team in the big 10. I think Ohio state can make the playoff and then that'll be it. Cause like, we can't stop that. Right. Like, well, because I, again, I think one of the holdups with this defense again is who's the super elite guy. And maybe it's Denzel Burke, but maybe he's a true freshman, right? Maybe it's Zach Harrison. Maybe it's JT. Maybe it's Haskell Garrett when he's healthy. I don't know, but they don't have a chase young. So if you don't have a chase young, it's kind of good to not have to deal with a Trevor Lawrence or a Joe Burrow or a Mac Jones, right? That, 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 cause I don't think they can conjure that. I think they've conjured a pretty solid 11 on defense that they put out there. I think they've conjured a better scheme than they were putting out there in the beginning of the year, but they can't conjure a chase young right now. I, I don't think they can. And if you felt like you were going to play an offense that you needed a Chase Young or a Marshawn Lattimore or a Ryan Chazier in order to stop them, it would feel like this team has a ceiling. Whereas right now, if you get the best of Ohio State week in, week out the rest of the year, then it's like, okay, win the Big Ten. The Big Ten champ is definitely in the playoff. And then get in there. And I don't know, man. You're going to face unbelievable defenses, but puncher's chance with this offense. And then, you know, Alabama's second best receiver is a guy who didn't have a job at Ohio State, Ohio State anymore, right? That and Brian Robinson's good, but Brian Robinson's not Derrick Henry, right? So I don't, I don't know, Stephen. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but we were talking about the playoff right now, and as they head into a bye week in week six, <laughs> halfway through the year. But I do think when you think about what the ceiling of this Ohio State team is, I think their ceiling is still below the ceiling of some Ohio State teams because mm-hmm. they don't have a Chase Young. But I think that might be okay in this specific year, the way the rest of the country fits together and what the strengths of the other teams in their way are. Because I think Penn State, Iowa, Alabama, Georgia, all are better defensively than they are offensively. And the answer to that is, man, have you seen the 11 dudes Ohio State puts out there on offense? Yeah, because defense doesn't win championships anymore. Are any of those teams good enough defensively? I said 40 on a video. I'll, I'll dwindle that. Are any of those teams dominant enough defensively to keep Ohio State under 30 points again with the way this offense is clicking? Because if you can't say confidently that they are, even if they're pretty good, then 
the next six weeks become a, okay, how many points do you think this defense is going to give up against this team? How many points do you think they'll give up against that team? And can Ohio State's offense call a shot? I don't know. Listen, man, Georgia has like 15 guys on the field. It feels like every every defensive staff yeah. did have 15 guys flying to the ball. That's going to be quite a thing. And in the end, you're still going to have a first-year quarterback. But you're yeah. going to have a great play caller, and that first-year quarterback looks poised as all get out right now. I don't think Iowa is going to like shut down Ohio State. Mm-hmm. I don't think Penn State is going to shut down Ohio State. So, yeah, if you're Iowa and you kind of rely on turnovers to create short fields, to create your scoring opportunities, I think the Iowa Hawkeyes, they just beat Penn State 23-20, I think it was. I don't Mm -hmm. think they can shoot for that score against Ohio State. I think Iowa has to figure out a way to get to 30 and hope that their defense plays crazy good because – but. Georgia, right? I think Georgia would have a chance, man, because they just got yeah. They, they are really high level five star guys all over the field, every level of the defense. That's a different thing. But to get there at least, again, I think Penn State's back seven is really good. But they're not. I don't think they're not going to stop Ohio State. And can a Sean Clifford, mediocre running backs, Jahan Dotson, Penn State offense get to thirty? Because you're not going to hold neither nobody in the Big Ten is going to hold Ohio State to like 17 points. I agree with the the Georgia one, which is the 17 play drive today. I think Ryan Day's was very complimentary of the way CJ handled that. The patience, the level of that, it's a small window into like what he might have to deal with in a game against Georgia, where he's going to have to be patient. Um. So I have a little bit of confidence that I'm not saying they can beat Georgia. I'm not going that far at all. I'm not even saying Georgia can beat Ohio State. I don't know. That's a long ways off. But that is a good thing to have in the memory bank for CJ in this offense that when you play a team who actually can make you do that every single series and not just for one series, you can do it. You have something that you can call on. So, but I do agree. Nobody in the big 10 is going to hold Ohio state under 30. And then with Georgia, then it gets interesting depending on where this defense is. And if this offense is still rolling like this, obviously. Can I mention just very quickly, by the way, does anyone else feel like a crazy person that 28 days after Oregon and 21 days after Tulsa were like, well, you know, I think they, I think they could maybe beat Georgia. How are we here? How are we here? Nathan, but are now are there people listening to this thinking that we sound like crazy people? Or is what this team has done in the last month, is this a correct reflection of the type of team, the type of talent, the type of coaching they have when they play their best? I think it's still the, the best analysis is still to call what's happening right now a trend. Because it, you know, it's Akron, it's Rutgers, it's Maryland. I, I'm not going to call that an identity yet for this defense, mm-hmm. especially. That's still just a trend. It hasn't gotten back on the field against a team that could beat other good teams. It just it hasn't. Uh, the Rutgers thing with Michigan really starts to look like a fluke, or maybe Michigan's not that good. We'll, we'll find out eventually on that. But I, I'm, I, I, the more we, like, I'm glad we brought up the Indiana. I think that's, you know, it's two weeks away, but that's, that's going to be, I think, a good test what this offense does against a good defense. Um, but I, yeah, when this defense is going to actually get tested, I, I don't know. I think what, what, what all they can really do is keep the trend going, you know, keep yeah. seeing these, keep seeing the, um, sort of explosiveness that you have on defense right now, whether that's the, the pass rush being as disruptive as it's being when they start playing other teams, the way that you're creating turnovers so consistently, like if you could just keep those things going week after week after week and keep the trend going, I don't know that it necessarily matters that you don't get to necessarily prove it against the equivalent of an Alabama from or LSU or Oklahoma from the last few years. If you're just really taking it to every big 10 team that you play from here on in, then that, that the identity does start to solve itself. There's a difference between inerrant flaws and fixable problems. And right now, Ohio State is just solving its fixable problems, which are you play the best players and you fix and you, you know, change things up defensively and don't just sit there and be stagnant and show one thing pre-snap and it's the same thing post-snap. Fine. That's what they that's what they did the last three weeks is fix those problems. 
we're going to find out what their inerrant problems are in the second half and whether or not it can overcome them or it, whether or not they matter or not in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. To, what would you guess? I would get if I what is their inherent problem? I would say on offense right now, the only possible inherent problem, I mean, other than injuries, right? That mm-hmm. I mean, it's like if Trayvon Henderson got abducted by aliens, they don't have another guy behind him who's as dynamic as Trayvon Henderson and a, and a running back that dynamic changes this offense. So we're not talking about it, guys not being there because they're as deep as anybody out there but there are still our special players. So I would say on offense, it's just that your quarterback's young. And mm-hmm. so you can't make him be a third year starter this year, but he is not playing like a guy who looks confused or scared or unsure of himself right now. So I, uh, you know, I guess a I guess a ton of pressure from Georgia. Would he revert to looking a little bit like a young quarterback? I don't know. I mean, maybe, but that you can't make him older. And if you ask Ryan Day, it's like, well, I wish I wished he was a second year, third year starter. And then mm-hmm. on defense, it's that show me Chase Young, show me, yeah. show me the, the 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 unanimous All American on defense that they so often have. And I don't think you're going to pull one of those out of thin air. I don't think anyone's going to develop into that right now. Mm-hmm. Stephen, would you? Are, is there a different? I mean, because I, no, I, I don't, I, I don't I think agree. there's anything beyond that. No, I I agree. There's no. There's no savior on defense, basically, whether it's Chase Young up front or it's Jeff Okuda or Marshawn Lattimore in the secondary or Shazier linebacker. That doesn't exist. And it's if CJ doesn't have the ability to go take a game from somebody that they did that they shouldn't have won, which is to the point of he's a young quarterback. He just might not be ready to do that because he's a first year starter and you can't fix that and you can't rush that process. Right. Nathan, yeah, do you th- what would you say, Heron? Yeah. Okay. I think you guys hit it. I think it is worth mentioning. That there are some things that CJ Stroud hasn't seen yet. Some things he hasn't experienced or, or even if he had the experience, you know, they, they have the ball down a touchdown late in the game against Oregon at home chance to go and extend it and couldn't do it. Like he hasn't conquered that experience. Something, I mean, that's, it's, it's still very early in his career. If they had played better that game, he wouldn't have experienced it at all. So I don't know how much of a criticism that really is, but that's still just one of those things that's out there. It's, it's still, it's still a work in progress in, in, in some of those ways. The one thing that I, I would wonder about maybe is as much as again, the JJ McCarthy situation in the second half of the year is going to be super interesting. And who knows by the time you listen to this, Nebraska may have beaten Michigan. I don't know. It's zero, zero midway through the first quarter that Michigan run game. If they can, eat up clock, move the ball down the field, little chunks, whether it's McCarthy or Cade McNamara, lean on the run game. Again, are the, are the Ohio state linebackers spectacular? No, I don't think they're spectacular. Can you, can you get after them and control the clock? Like the stuff there's been a, is it like two straight? There's, there have definitely been games, even as they've been fixing stuff where it's like a team gets the ball and moves right down the field on them in the first drive. And it's like, Oh man, Maryland what did is, it today. What is happening here? And then like, oh, well, that's it. <laughs> it's like, oh, they had one. Congratulations on the Akron one good drive. You Akron did it, right. Mm-hmm. So like if you're a team, if Michigan can do that and then do that five more times, right, that, hey, and I don't want to give Michigan too much credit, but it's like, well, what if Josh Gaddis has a little something, something? He's got a feel for how to keep them off yeah. balance. And like, I, I don't know. But maybe a run game coupled with a quick passing game. And then, by the way, Aiden Hutchinson defensively is playing like Kayvon Thibodeau, and he, like, takes over the game and is in C.J. Stroud's face all day or whatever. Like, I don't know, Nathan. I'm not, sa- I'm not saying Michigan can beat Ohio State, but maybe a run game that can control the clock is the first step for anybody. That's been my thought all along, that the blueprint to beat Ohio State was just finish the job that Minnesota couldn't. Like, Minnesota actually wasn't that far away if they had just had anybody that could have defended in that secondary. So if you if you run into a team that can can uh, move the chains, even if they're not putting up a lot of points, you are going to have to put up points, obviously, though. Um, so you've got, you've got to move the chains and finish drives and then make Ohio State work for its points. Like that's yeah. really the combination. You're not going to shut Ohio State down, but if you can move the chains and put up points and make Ohio State work for for its points, you've got you've got a chance to do this. I think, and and maybe that's still in my mind makes Iowa the most intriguing team because I think they've got a good running back in Goodson. 
Um, it's just, man, I just don't know. You look around the quarterback play in this, the whole big 10 and it's just what yeah. we've always talked about ever. Always. I, I, th- I think Michigan's like best that all that, but also JJ McCarthy, just like 2017 Dwayne Haskins, it where it's there's, there's something he just won't know any better in that situation because it's, he's going to be fresh. It's not, he'll probably have started two games if that happens. So he'll still be in that. I don't know any better. I'm just going to go out here and play off natural instinct. And that might just work. And it might, you know, conjure up something because that's what happened in 2017. Dwayne just got out there, didn't know any better and started you know, throwing it around the yard a little bit and running and creating stuff with his legs. And it come to find out he was none of that stuff with his leg. But in the moment, it's just, I don't know any better. So here we go. Same thing with Cardell in 2015. So if that's what JJ McCarthy is along with the running game and they're chewing up clock, then it gets interesting. Are we surprised at all that Tonga Vailoa didn't give Ohio state a little more trouble or is that just like, is he not as good maybe as he looked the first four games or is he just like a good big 10 quarterback who that's not good enough against Ohio state. And the fact that Demas was out and then they lost another guy, right. Did they lose another guy early? And then he just didn't have enough weapons and he's still pretty good, but he just wasn't going to get it done against Ohio state. Yeah. They lost a guy who was, I think, starting in place of Demas. So it was just uh, uh, um, Jay Sean Jones. He only caught the one pass and it didn't come back in. So, Really, relative to what he usually does against good teams, Tagovailoa wasn't that bad today because he's usually fairly putrid. Uh, yeah. I, our uh, uh, our buddies Bill and Ari on their podcast, Bill brought up, I think coming into this game that he had played, there was X number of games against good teams and X number of games mm-hmm. against bad teams. And in the bad teams, I think it was three touchdowns against 11 interceptions in his career. So like today he had a couple picks later in the game when it was sort of desperation time, I really didn't think it was a matter of like him just being awful today. I think he was just, he just was what he was. Uh, Mm -hmm. Maryland couldn't get the ground game going. So it was a very one dimensional offense. Um, I, I I thought he was fine, but it was just, it was just big 10 fine. It was actually kind of a step forward for him considering the disaster that the Iowa game was. And maybe he'll come back. He'll probably come back in the second half and have, he'll probably end up being, you know, second team, all big 10 behind CJ Stroud because somebody's yeah. got to be. I think, first of all, Rakeem Jarrett was just like a no-show outside of that 43-yard touchdown where Ohio State missed three tackles. He had three other targets and didn't do anything with them. Um, I think he's good when he's not being pressured. Yeah. Iowa got pressure on him last week, and Ohio State got pressure on him this week, and he didn't know what to do with himself out there. Yeah, they were I, definitely flushing. They were moving, making him move the pocket. And I thought there was the, the one drive where they came down, uh, they scored their second touchdown. I thought he did some good things throwing on the run because he's good enough that he sh- can do that sometimes. But he just can't do it for a whole game against and, mm-hmm. and, and score at the level to keep up with Ohio State. All right, one more thing I want to bring up, and then we'll wrap this podcast up. Again, it's the postgame pod, Ohio State, Maryland. We'll be back after this on Buckeye Talk. Doug Nathan, Steven. So, we are recording this later than expected. Again, I don't know. You know I just shoot, shoot you guys straight on here. I missed the first half of the game today. I was watching it on my phone, and then I was driving and listening to it on the radio. This was like my craziest dad day in a long time. My oldest daughter, who's a senior in high school, <clears throat> excuse me, was finishing her high school tennis career at sectionals, which was supposed to be on Thursday, got rained out. Friday, they, maybe they, they tried to play. They canceled it at 6 a.m., and it was a beautiful day. And then I was like, I can't believe you're playing on Saturday. And then she played on Saturday and she literally, we got there at 8 a.m. And then she was like the 51st match to get on. And she literally took the court like as Ohio State was kicking off. And it was like, okay. But it was the last match she's ever going to play as a high school athlete. So I stayed for that. And then my youngest daughter, who's a freshman in high school, they have band competitions every Saturday in October. And this was like the one that is close enough that the schedule worked that I had a shot to get to. So I kind of rushed out of there and we tried to do the podcast in the parking lot and my signal wasn't good enough. So Nathan and Steven were kind enough to wait for me. And that's why we're getting it to you late. I'm like, but I am like stressed out. I'm feeling great as a dad, but man, it's like when you guys have kids, man, holy moly, like it's hard. And and all my sports writers friends who have raised kids, it's like the greatest, the greatest thing is you kind of have a weird schedule. You can be like, help out at school during the week. But sometimes it's like, oh, what's your big work day? Oh, Saturday when everybody's doing stuff. So I just want to tell listeners, I mean, you don't care about my life. 
but I've been a little, I don't know if distract is the right word, but like I've been trying to enjoy my daughter's last tennis season, my other daughter's first band season. The band performance was so good. I was crying. I was crying at the band performance tonight. I couldn't believe how good it was. They did all these songs about New York. I'm crying. It was like so good for me to be there. Now, if I can't be there at the rest of them, okay. But I'm locked in now. Actually, I'm taking all the next week off. But after that, I am locked in. Locked in. And we're going to bring it hard in the second half of the Ohio State season. And Nathan and Stephen are like, oh, cool. Are you going to start doing your job now? We've been doing it the whole time. It's like I have to make an announcement that I'm going to do my job. (laughs) Buckeye talk. So here's what I wrote after the game, but I'm not going to show up. Listen, I don't, I barely, I'm not going to like dissect what happened at a game when I was driving and I'm listening to the radio for a quarter of it. It's all about context and where they are. I want to be, I want to see if you guys agree or disagree with me on the premise of what I wrote after the game. I said, the Oregon loss is gone. It doesn't matter because I, the big 10 champ is going to make the playoff. And I think if you're not the big 10 champ, you're probably not going to make the playoff. And so whether you're undefeated or one loss team in a month with the way they're playing, which we've just covered for the first 55 minutes, but also on their resume, because in the playoff world, sometimes it's like, well, cool. I'm glad you're playing better, but you have this thing on your resume. That's going to prevent you from making the playoff. Sorry, Nathan. I feel like it's gone. And that like, maybe there's like 2% of like, well, like if they lose to Penn State, but this, they let, and you, oh, they're going to try to make it like they did in 2016 with one loss, not going to the, like they, you, they can't lose again. But I think like, even if they were six and oh, right now, you'd be like, well, you better win the big 10 and the big 10's pretty good, but the big 10 champ is definitely in. It's amazing to me in a world, Nathan, where we have talked on this podcast over the last couple of years, since you got here, since Steven got here, oh, the crushing loss, right? This, the Purdue loss killed him that they've had this loss that in the moment was like, what happened? And a month later, I think it has like, it is not going to hold them back at all. I am not interested in the silver lining discussion. I got asked that the other day. It's like, oh, is it a good thing they lost? I never think it's a good thing you lost. They made changes. If CJ Stroud would have thrown a touchdown pass with one second left to pull that game out of the fire, you still would have had to make changes. I don't know. Maybe you wouldn't have made them, but the bottom line is, Nathan, I don't think it's going to hold them back. And man, that is a pretty amazing thing for a team that often you lose one and it really, really hurts. I think, again, when you look at 2018, I think that's still a great example. It, 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 yes, the Purdue loss killed that, but it was because the Purdue loss, when you put it next to the Maryland win, when you put it next to even the Nebraska win, like all those things together are what made them look like not a playoff team, regardless of whether they won the Big Ten. So I think that's what you're seeing happen now is now that they're starting to win 66-17, 59-7 against really putting away. I mean, today, I mean, this is almost like the stark contrast, right? Was was the 2018 Maryland team like that much better than this Maryland team? Anthony McFarland was good. This is a Talia is a better quarterback and these wide receivers, even if you're down, Dante Demas are better. But other than that, it's kind of the same concept. But I I think it's close. I I think I would say this team, because Demas is out, is not better because McFarland was a game breaker and he was on that field. If Demas would have played, I would have said maybe this team is actually better. But go ahead. But but your point, your point is taken. Yeah, the point still stands. Either yeah, way, like they, yeah. they they absolutely flattened this team as opposed to like having the crap scared out of it as they did in 2018. And they're gonna have some other examples. Like I think they need to just keep being convinced as convincing as they can be. Um, like there, there's obviously you know we didn't mention Michigan State in those uh, the, the teams that they're gonna have to play here in the second half of the year. I don't believe in Michigan state to the same level as some of these other teams, but they're worth mentioning they're, They haven't lost yet. They went on the road and won today. So you can't, you can't, you have to do something. You can't just show up and assume that you're winning that game. I don't think, um, or that you're blowing them off the field at least. So I think it's a matter of they've got to keep in 2018, regardless of the Purdue game, they didn't look like a playoff team in numerous other games. And you could argue, I guess that the Tulsa game, Maybe even the the Minnesota game, that was true. But they're putting – all that was bunched at the front of the season, and now they're putting that farther and farther behind them. So I think if they just keep looking like a playoff team, I think you're right. I think that win um, 
it does it certainly doesn't get completely washed off. It's going to affect your seating and 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 it does keep you on the the razor edge of of that second loss that absolutely keeps you out. But you're right, it it becomes more and more insignificant the more they look like a playoff team week in week out. 18 and 14 are so important because it's the reason why they made it in 14 and didn't make it in 18. That that team that lost early in the season is not the same team you're watching now. So if that's how if that's what you're looking at then it, you're right. Then the Oregon loss is gone because the team that lost to Oregon is not the same team that's playing football right now. Just like in 2014, the team that lost to Virginia Tech was not at all the same team who beat Wisconsin in the Big Ten championship game. But the other and, thing is, I think it's it's the context of there was another team like waiting to take their spot when the big if the Big Ten champ if the one loss Big Ten champ in 14 and 18 didn't look good, mm-hmm. right? Like they were Alabama was. It was who was it in 18? Alabama was one, Oregon and Florida State were two and three. No, no, no. In 14, no, 14, it's like Baylor TCU were right there. Oh, yeah. Right. Right. And then in 18, I can't remember who it was. Oh, Bama, Clemson, Oklahoma finished fourth. Okay. So they lost to Bama. But the bottom line is with the ACC looking like it's out and with Oregon having a loss and now looking like their season is falling apart, Oregon's going to lose again. There aren't as many teams waiting to take the spot, right? So, like, that's the thing to me of, like, a one-loss Big Ten champ is in, which helps the the Oregon loss vanish, right? That the idea of, like, well, now you have one loss. Even if you're the Big Ten champ, that might not be good enough, where I feel like, no, that's it's definitely going to be good enough this year. Also helped by the fact that the Big Ten, they have a bunch of good teams left to play. So, but I will say this. Is it possible this? And we'll wrap up with this. They're looking at seven more games before the playoff if, if they go to the Big Ten Championship. So of those seven, I would say Iowa, Penn State, and Michigan to me would be like legitimately good teams. Penn State, I don't know what their quarterback situation is. They've got to get that figured out. But I would say those are, those are three actually good teams. I would say Indiana and Michigan State are – they don't have as much talent as Ohio state, but like, don't let your guard down, right? Like don't take them for granted. They've got a couple things they can do that. Kenneth Walker, the third at Michigan state, a couple of the defensive guys we talked about mm-hmm. in Indiana, Ty Fry Fogel in Indiana, like, Hey, like they're good middle of the pack teams. And then actually Purdue and Nebraska, right? I mean, I cut Steven off when he tried to say Nebraska is good, but Taylor Martinez is like playing the best. No, Adrian Martinez, Taylor Martinez is 19 years ago. Adrian mm-hmm. Martinez is like playing the best the best he's played ever. David Bell is legit. Like they're not horrendous. George Karloff, this is legit, right? They're not mm-hmm. like horrendous, 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 horrendous. Is it possible Ohio State has played its five easiest opponents already? That their first six games were Oregon, who beat them, and then Minnesota, Tulsa, Akron, Rutgers, Maryland who are actually the five worst teams they're going to play because we think Nebraska and Purdue, who's the second best team they played so far? Is it Minnesota or is it Rutgers? I'm not, I'm not trying to be facetious. I don't I know. Think, Rutgers? I think it's probably Rutgers. Minnesota. It Minnesota? was Minnesota at the time. It, it was Minnesota at the time when it had Ibrahim. True. Mm. Right. But then when he went out, that affected Minnesota in the moment. But I, I guess, yeah. but like then the Minnesota without him, like lost to Bowling Green. So right. like, like is but, our, Rutgers. Our, but, but Minnesota without him also went to Purdue and won. So, oh, they did. Uh, yeah, Purdue, yeah. Purdue maybe. All right, one of the five. Well, uh, to, the, to answer your question of is have they played the easiest team? I think yes, but also, um, now every team that they play going forward has a way to kind of debunk whether this defense is actually fixed, even if they don't win the game. And, and it, it could just be like 2019 felt for 12 weeks like what five of the first six weeks kind of have felt like, right? Just like 2019 mm-hmm. with just, was just like, God, no, at least the first 10 weeks, it was like nobody could play with them. Yeah. Every game is 50 something to zero something. And that's going to be different, I think, in the second half of this season, because I think they have some teams that are interesting, which is like a credit to the Big Ten. Doesn't mean I think anybody's going to beat them, but I think we will have a very good feel for this team. But all the stuff that we're saying is again, let's not get let's not get a hundred percent Nathan out over like locked in a hundred percent sure about everything. Because like, listen, 
like Micah McFadden. They haven't played him. I mean, no, the only Micah McFadden they played so far was Noah Sewell. And he like practically like single-handedly yeah. stopped the Ohio yeah. State offense that day. Right. So, so who are, they have some dudes that they're going to play, but which should only make it fun, but will also tell us exactly, exactly, Nathan, how good Ohio State is. I mean, you saw, I don't, what year was it where, where Ryan Kerrigan, um, was that 2009. Like 2009. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I, I, Carl Loftus is a comparable player, comparable impact player to that. Maybe yep. not quite at Kerrigan's level, but close. So, uh, you know, uh, Aiden Hutchinson, like you already mentioned, like the thing you were saying before about how Ohio State doesn't have like that guy. They, a couple of these teams have that guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, like if a couple you- of these teams have guys that Ohio State, as good as it is, as talented as it is, would take in a heartbeat. And even like Ibrahim was really good. CJ Verdell really hurt Ohio State. But like, I think Kenneth Walker III might be the best running back that they face this year, unless it's Blake Goodson. Corum or Tyler Goodson. Uh, right? it's, but, it, it, no, it's Walker for sure. So, like, you know, again, like, I'm not, we're not saying, but it's just a reminder of like, buckle up, baby. It's going to be a good second half, right? It's going to be a good second half. Be fun. I think it should be an interesting second half. I, I, I you know, th- this. That Indiana game we thought was going to be like a de facto Big Ten champ- East championship game at one point, and now it, it doesn't look like that. I just don't think that Indiana has the firepower. So I think you've got to kind of look within the game, though, if you're a fan, um, and and see like just almost like possession by possession. Like, are they passing these tests? Are you seeing you know the the the, the discipline that that they didn't have early in the year when they start to face just more talented teams? They're not boring. Good. They're keep checking in on them. Good. Make sure they keep it up. Well, they were boring good the last two weeks. Yeah, but also but some because of the, the opponent team, was very good. Yeah, yeah. now that they're playing t- competent teams, they're they're really good. But keep checking on, on them because they can't yeah. stumble at all. By the way, they're, today went over like easily. Remember uh, how we were like, like <laughs> Ohio this State that, seems, that seems impossibly high. They blew past <laughs> the the over. I mean, yeah, one because they got another pick six, but also like Ohio State's offense just decided to. Do everything they were passed it before the pick six. I know. You know when I thought it was going to be under when Ohio State took seventeen plays on its first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was like, this game's going to be like thirty-one to fourteen. This is going to be way under. Then it was like, it was. was, I mean, when Ohio State was down three to nothing and then had a seventeen-play drive. No, the problem is they never really got into the all right. We're up by a lot, so we're just going to hand it off and get out of here. They just kept throwing the ball. CJ, CJ Stroud threw thirty-three passes, and then when they brought Kyle and Jack in, they still kept throwing the ball. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Thanks to uh, everybody for hanging in. Thanks to Nathan and Stephen for uh, accommodating my schedule. Um, thanks to everybody who's reading us at cleveland.com slash Buckeye Talk. Drop a review at Apple Podcasts. Sign up for the text at 614-350-3315. And Ohio State is not playing a game next week, but we are still doing five podcasts. So we'll catch you for Madness, Monday Madness. We'll catch you on Monday. And then we'll make sure we sort of give you an update of exactly what the rest of the week is going to look like with podcasts. But we are anticipating a draft involving Ohio State players, which we always like to do, and I think you guys like to listen to. We are anticipating a final Mount Buckmore on the best Buckeyes, and um, maybe even do a couple things we haven't done in a while. So keep it tuned here at Buckeye Talk. Make sure you're subscribed. Appreciate you guys making Buckeye Talk part of your Ohio State experience. For Stephen Means and Nathan Baird, I'm Doug Maurice, and that was Buckeye Talk. Buckeye Talk.